0: yeah, now is a great time to be looking at estate planning, that's for sure.
1: From Ray & Associates Studio, this is Unsuitable, a management and financial services podcast for entrepreneurs, tenured business leaders, and others who are ready to look beyond the suit and tie culture for meaningful, measurable results. I'm Doug Hauser. On this weekly podcast, thought leaders and business professionals break down complicated and mundane topics and give you the tips and insight you actually need to grow as a leader while helping your organization to grow and thrive. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button so you don't miss future episodes. And if you want access to even more information, show notes, and exclusive content, visit our website at www.raycpa.com slash podcast and sign up for updates. Industries continue to work towards pre-COVID conditions, and now that we are weathering through this storm, we can't help but look ahead. Today, Brian Kempf, Principal at Ray & Associates, is here to share his experience in the agriculture industry, the current economic impacts, what the industry may look like in the future, and the estate planning and tax considerations you should look at before the election. Welcome back to Unsuitable, Brian.
0: Thank you, Doug. It's good to be back
1: again yeah it's good to good to see you uh sorry we couldn't get together uh in person. hopefully we can uh make that happen sooner rather than later it's always always more enjoyable yes uh, we're all looking forward to that as well absolutely so talk a little bit about the the current state of the ag industry obviously it's been certainly in the news uh politically with tariffs and and everything else but before we get into maybe that part of it, talk about how COVID has affected the the, the climate uh, with regard to agriculture. What are you seeing out there? Yeah.
0: Well, it's interesting. It's a lot has changed since March, April. It's almost almost seems like an eternity ago, thinking back to March and April. But there's been there's been a lot of turmoil in the agricultural market remembering back to March and April two of the big things that were hitting the news locally as well as nationally were both the milk shortages and and dumping the excess of milk and the a lot of the the uh, retail meat shortages were two things that people really didn't understand why why they were coming about and that's I mean that's one thing that I find interesting is just informing general public on things that they don't understand uh that are going on in the background a lot of people would see what's what's at the grocery store and that's about the as limited as they are on their uh their knowledge on what yeah. products are coming out so yeah with the, the milk shortages um and 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 dumping a lot of people were confused why farmers were dumping milk while at the same time retail stores were, were saying they had no milk a lot of that had to do with a couple things. There was a, like toilet paper, there's a, a spike in demand on fluid milk, uh, the jug of milk that you buy in the yeah. store. And so customers went out and bought tons of milk, which doesn't make sense because it has a limited shelf life, anyways. Right. But um, so you had a, a spike in demand. And then you also, at the same time, had plants that were either shutting down or reducing capacity or uh, had outbreaks in that they were not able to operate at full capacity, milk has to run through some sort of processing plant in order to be sold. And so with with a limited shelf life, you can't just store milk indefinitely until plants are able to process it and milk can't be in its raw stage. And so you had a. It was a fairly short period, but it hit the news quite a bit. You know, fairly short period of of some farms uh, dumping excess uh, supplies of milk. And unlike other industries, construction, manufacturing, you can't store raw material. You're you you can not inventory for an indefinite amount of time. So that has mostly been corrected. As far as the you don't see milk shortages anymore. Similarly, with retail with meat, a lot of retail stores were were putting quotas on how much meat you could purchase in store. Mm-hmm. Similar shortage shortage of processing plants across the U.S. And what what some people don't understand with with hogs was one one good example. If you continue to feed hogs, they will continue to grow and fatten there's a certain weight at which most hogs are sold. Once they get above that weight, your, your price continues to decrease. And so to continue feeding hogs, having increased costs with decreased market price just didn't make sense. And so you saw, unfortunately you saw hogs being slaughtered, uh, with no not being processed because there wasn't capacity for it. So
1: yeah. Yeah. Again,
0: Convergence of a lot
1: of a lot of these factors. Right. And and I've also seen things that obviously the the ag industry has had to adapt because the weight really of the end users has has changed in that, you know, obviously Mm -hmm. less going to restaurants and and that type of thing. So how, how has that also impacted uh, production and processing and that type of thing? Yeah.
0: So re- schools and restaurants were both uh, large, large consumers of dairy, uh, restaurants being cheese a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it depended how it like a lot of industries, how it affected certain businesses really depended on who their customer was. You had some some dairy processors that are spread out amongst grocery stores, restaurants, uh, schools. They weren't affected nearly as much and were able to to transfer over the lack of demand from
1: schools and restaurants over into the increased demand in grocery stores because you did see a, a large increase in in, in purchases of agricultural products
0: in the grocery store, so yeah. if to change that over and meet that demand, a lot of people saw you know a fairly healthy increase in demand. But that's not not all processes are, are be able are able to do that or have existing contracts with grocery stores that allow them to
1: to just change over their demand from schools, or restaurants, over to grocery stores. The old adage, right? Be diverse in in your customer yeah. base and and uh, yes. your ability to adapt and and evolve. And I think we've, no matter what industry you're in, obviously we've we've all certainly had that lesson reinforced here during this this time yeah. period. So, yep, that, that's exactly right. Now, so, now, what what about labor as well? Now, obviously, labor is is a big issue with with ag, not only in Ohio, right, but throughout the country Correct. and the, the allocation of certain visa types um, that allows for immigrant labor. What's yeah. been the impact there over the last uh, couple of years? Uh, so, yeah,
0: at the beginning of this, there there was widespread fear that they that farms were not going to be able to get their seasonal agriculture labor. Uh, which is largely from immigrant labor. There was some changes in the H-2A visa program, which is the temporary farm labor, that lessened restrictions, lessened regulations, and have allowed somewhat more immigrants to come over for a seasonal period. But the reality is that the H-2A visa program only supplies a small amount of the overall farm agricultural labor in the U.S. Okay. Uh, I was looking at
1: statistics on the Farm Bureau website. Only about 50, it, about 50 to 70% of farm labor is unauthorized, what,
0: what people would call illegal immigrants. Uh, wow, it's but, that high still, huh? It's that high. Uh, that, that makes up somewhere between a million and a half to two million workers. The H-2A visa program only provides about four percent of those workers. So, no kidding. The the reality is, anyone that's tied into the the agricultural industry knows and has been pushing for immigration for I, I don't know as many years as I've been alive, probably. Uh, but really, in the last ten years, there's there's lots of rhetoric. There's certainly everyone would agree that there needs to be some sort of immigration reform. Mm-hmm. You, know, you fine people on either side of the issue. But the reality is we truly need immigration reform.
1: Most agricultural experts are not looking for a, a widespread deportation
0: of undocumented workers. The Farm Bureau did a study on that a number of
1: years ago, and said if if we took a
0: enforcement only approach towards immigration, we would lose approximately thirty to sixty billion dollars of agricultural output in one wow. year, and it would it would result in a five to six percent increase in food prices across the board. Um, Ouch. Yeah. So we certainly need some sort of immigration reform. It's been talked about for years. Nothing has ever, no one can agree on what it looks like. And so, yeah. Uh, it, in the end we get nothing basically, exactly, which is, which is what
1: exactly, ha- has happened. And
0: exactly. Right. And there, dairy is one of the big, big issues in, in our local area here, Holmes and Wayne County, there's a lot of dairy producers h2a visas are for for short-term mm-hmm. labor and the dairy industry needs long-term labor they don't they don't need short-term they you have to milk your cows every single day so All right uh, there is uh, they've, they've long pushed for dairy to be
1: as a subset of h2a but so far nothing has been passed so what, what about, Brian, talk a little bit about the evolution of what types of agriculture businesses have, have been successful. I know you, were, you and I were talking a little bit before the show about uh, the increase in small farms over, over the last six months. And, and that, that's really surprising to me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There, there was a, through the coronavirus, there was an increased consumer awareness of where their food comes from and how it's processed. So both out of, out of fear of where is my food coming from? And am I, am I going to come in contact with the virus because it's coming from California or somewhere else? And so it's partially that partially because of food shortages that people were afraid that they weren't be able, they wouldn't be able to get the food that they wanted. And so you have seen an increase in farm to retail, directly farm to retail of mm. um, a farm. So small farms, you know, your, your 30, 50, 60 acre farms and people are using social media to, to market direct to consumer. And so you have seen an increase in some of that type of activity. Uh, organic is, is still on the rise. So people again are, are thinking more and more about their food sources and what all goes into producing that. So you've seen, you've seen an increase again. It's like with any industry, there's winners and losers. There's some people that are, that are really losing out. And there's some people who have, have taken advantage of Lots of different things that have changed over the last
1: six months. So, yeah, for sure, and and that that ability to adapt and evolve quickly. And I know we've got certainly a number of clients in in uh, the geographic sphere where where you are, as as you mentioned, that yeah. have catered to that that yep. uh, environment, right? Yeah, yeah, we have
0: a good uh, good uh, small tractor manufacturer, Tillmore that has really capitalized on on these smaller farmers all across the u s that are looking for
1: new ways to cultivate weed without without chemicals uh, that's that's a that's a big deal right now awesome um, not the weed you smoke right <laughs> <laughs> very different weeds <laughs> it would not be a good idea yeah just just uh, clarifying not you know although yes, we've got yes. now we've got clients in in the cannabis industry too yeah, so it's, yeah, it's uh, hard true. to believe i mean yeah just this week chris spielman opened a uh, a cbd shop in in the town where i live in licking county believe it or not it's, it's something it's, i never would have thought i'd say like 25 years ago <laughs> It is a very different market than what most people think of as uh,
0: agriculture, but it's still there and it's it's growing. So, yeah. of so uncertainty. Yeah. So
1: talk about all these factors. Then, what does, in your opinion, what does the ag industry look like? How does it evolve over the next five to ten years?
0: There is a, I think, a shift in agriculture that is starting now uh, we'll all, and will only be uh, evolving even quicker over the next five to 10 years, the, the average age of the farmer has continued to increase mm. uh, for over the last 10 years. And the average number of new or beginning farmers has continued to decrease. And so you see a large consolidation in farms. Farms are only getting bigger. I mean, you you still have an
1: increased overall agricultural output with fewer people to do it. And so you you have a a natural progression
0: to larger farms, which will... So you have larger farms with fewer people to own them and fewer entrants and fewer potential uh, workers for it. And so you do see a lot of mechanization and technology that's being it's been around for a while but it's it's catching on much faster robotic milkers is a good example Hmm. they are they've been around for quite some time most likely in five to ten years that's where a lot of large farms are going to going to be it's still expensive to get into right now and with the Uh, milk price where it has been over the last two years, it was hard to justify that cost. If you see milk prices coming back up, and like with any new technology, the more people that use it and the better they are at producing it, hopefully prices will come down. When those two things happen, I think you'll see more
1: and more robotic milkers put in across both Ohio and the U.S., so it, it sounds like in, in ag, there's this kind of bifurcation. Like in many industries, you either have to be really small and, and really nimble and respond quickly to demand and, and market, um, or you have to be really, really big, right? To take that's, advantage of those economies of scale. That's, that is exactly right. It's, it's not Interesting. a lot of industries. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk a little bit then about, uh, say, as we approach the end of the year here um, obviously we we don't know how uh, tax laws may change uh, in the future uh, we know that there's a shortage of revenues at, at the government level be it federal state local whatever but what what can we do uh, if if we're in the ag industry or or really any owner managed business what are we thinking about as we approach year end with regard to tax and estate planning
0: yeah yeah this is this year is a, is going to be a big one not just this year the next five years i think a tax and estate planning uh, aspect the the big thing that we're watching in agriculture is the lifetime exemption so uh, after you die you you have the ability to transfer 11 million dollars of assets close to 12 million uh to the next generation without facing an estate tax issue if you're married it's 22 to $24 million. It's a large number right now. What? And so you do have a lot of people that, that blow off estate planning thinking, well, I don't have nearly that much, but the reality is that number could be cut in half instantly. That's right now there's, you know, there's talk of having it rather than reverting in a number of years back to 6 million they, there's potential that it would revert to $6 million per person immediately in 2021. Uh, and with increased land prices, I mean, you have land selling anywhere between fifteen dollars and $100,000 an acre, depending on where it is and what it's going to be used for. It doesn't take a lot of acres to add up to a $12 million joint exemption. I mean, that's you could be anywhere between two and four hundred acres, which is uh, not a not a huge farm, and need right. that estate exemption. So that's one thing that people, if, especially if they've if they have not worried about estate planning from a estate tax standpoint, uh, that's something they definitely need to get in contact with their attorney and their CPA about. There's also potential for an elimination of the step-up in basis at death, which is a huge deal for farmers who bought their land from for $500 an acre 30, 40, 50 years ago, and now it's worth $25,000 an acre. That step-up in basis at death is a huge issue. There's also been thrown around the idea of, of paying capital gains tax at death and mm-hmm. another huge, huge liability for farmers who are... Often land rich and cash poor, it would, it would go back to uh, when the Ohio estate tax was at $383,000. You had some farms that had to sell in order to, to fund the Ohio estate tax. So those would all not be good things for farmers, but all things that you still need to plan for in the case that it would
1: happen. So, yeah, yeah now is a great time to be looking at estate planning. That's for sure. Well that's that's a you know certainly sage advice uh Brian and and I would highly advise uh anybody in in the ag or related industries to certainly get in touch with with Brian he is far and away the the best expert I've ever encountered uh in in the space and uh, I think you need to make sure that you're you know you've get, you've got that uh, advisor uh close to you that that you can uh, run these things by. Don't don't assume because it's it's always changing and certainly getting more and more complicated. And
0: yeah, and it's it's important to have both an attorney and a CPA that that understand farms and why they're a little bit different than a lot of other businesses. There's there's a it, it's not it's a business, but it's a way of life and how how the next generation
1: and treats it is, is different with, with farms than it is with a lot of other type of companies. Yeah, very well said. Very well said. Well, if you want more business tips and insight or to hear previous episodes of Unsuitable, visit our podcast page at wwwracpacom podcast. And while you're there, sign up for exclusive content and show notes. Thanks for listening to this week's show. Be sure to subscribe to Unsuitable on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to us right now, including YouTube. I'm Doug Hauser. Join us next week for another Unsuitable interview from an industry professional.